0: Previously on Colors. To be white is to not have to think about race,
1: right? Philip Bump, national columnist for the Washington Post, found that out in research, but also in reality. And, you know, I think that is one of the guiding forces that was driving white America up until about 2014. And he's written a column suggesting some white people may feel people of color are unifying against them. Because most white Americans didn't really think about race, didn't think about their own race, didn't think about, you know, how they themselves identified It just sort of was. Uh, and I think one of the things the Black Lives Matter movement did as it emerged in 2014 and then gained strength over the years was it forced a lot of Americans to confront race in a way that they weren't used to doing. Myself included, right?
0: Coming up in this episode of Colors... Former
1: National Football League star Rick Doc Walker was moved by the outpouring of protest after George Floyd's death.
2: I was so happy to see that it wasn't just a black thing, a black-white thing. It was... Americans. It was human beings coming out from all parts of the country in this display of solidarity.
1: But almost three years later, his tunes changed a bit.
2: Yet after that, it has continued. We still have far too much gun violence. There have been so many minorities that have been we've had pulled up to the wrong door, wrong driveway. You're being targeted at an alarming rate. And so that saddens me That although it was a movement point with George Floyd, we've had a lot of lip service.
0: That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions.
2: Segregation now and tomorrow and forever.
1: Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming.
2: Don't just
1: brutality exposed. I
2: can't breathe. I can't breathe.
1: The search for solutions
0: starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.
2: Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys.
0: My name is Angelie Chong and I am Korean American living just outside of Seattle, Washington.
2: My name
1: is Juan Pablo Sanchez. I was born in Medellin, Colombia and therefore I identify as Hispanic and or Latino.
0: My name is Tan D. D. Watts Jones. I live in uh, New York. I am black and African American.
1: And I'm JJ Green. I'm black. And this is Colors. For those of you that are wondering where the concept. Or colors came from, it didn't happen three years ago when the show launched. It happened more like 30 years ago, and the guest on the show tonight is going to have something to say about that. We're talking with Rick Doc Walker, and for those of you who don't know, he is um, a former NFL player, star. Um, played with the um, Cincinnati Bengals and with the Burgundy and Go. Uh, yes. And before that, he played at uh, the University of California at Los Angeles, all american Fourth-round draft pick, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Yes. Tight end. Uh, he proved his worth in the NFL, not just as a player, but also as a thinker. And since that time, he has done quite a bit of good in the community. Uh, And as a broadcaster, as an athlete, a former athlete, as a father, as a friend, as a pillar of the community. And we talked to you a couple years ago, Rick, uh, right after the George Floyd killing took place. And we got some thoughts from you about that. It's coming up on three years now since that. Wanted to circle back with you to see how you were feeling about that whole
2: situation now. Well, it was an outstanding JJ to be a part of your your program, which is very close to me. Colors, yeah. and to see that although a lot of movement, very little change has happened. There have been far more murders, far more incidents than I would have ever imagined following the outpour of all americans especially the millennials especially younger people i was it was i was so happy to see that it wasn't just a black thing a black white thing it was americans it was human beings coming out from all parts of the country in this display of solidarity yet after that it has continued we still have far too much gun violence There have been so many minorities that have been, we've had pulling up to the wrong door, wrong driveway. You're being targeted at an alarming rate. And so that saddens me that although it was a movement point with George Floyd, we've had a lot of lip service since then. And I'm very disappointed at where we are as a country, as human beings not agreeing to share this earth. That we have common ground, but yet that some feel that they are superior, and that some more should be given to them, and that's irritating
1: you know Rick, um you have mentioned something there that that that's been kind of sitting on my my soul for a while, and that is I'm watching this erosion of support that was very obvious back in 2020 watching it go away and for different reasons. But one of the other difficult things that I'm seeing too is I'm watching a lot of politicians and a lot of activists that are basically hijacking the movement, hijacking the the problem. And certainly amongst the politicians, I'm seeing a lot of them using this for their own selfish, box-checking, political gain. And that is very distressing to me. Are you seeing any of that?
2: Yeah, it is. And it really is something that we've accepted. That's the most disappointing part to me. And what I love about the format that I get to operate in, and that is a broadcast platform that I get to talk to all types of people at all times. And I just don't do sports. I never just do sports. I do sports and life, because sports is a part of of unity. It has knocked down so many barriers, because it forces people to work together for a common goal. So I there's you're never going to eradicate racism, bigotry, and hate. It's not going to happen. But we we can stand for. At least being responsible for positive movement and brotherhood. And it just alarms me to how many people in the face of religion become such hypocrites. Absolutely. They blur the lines, man. They blurred the lines so much now that it's appalling to me that some people could actually even stand in a pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just to me, you so and news that the most disappointing. And you're one of the few, I mean, come on, guys like me who come in and start doing sports. And we're not journalists. You're journalists. yeah. And so the guys, but- are, no, it's a difference. It's a difference. I'm bringing a different side to the table. But you're a journalist. And people who do this for a living, they make a commitment to not only just bring your views, but bring the right view. And that's an obligation. And right now, this industry should be ashamed of itself Yes, with the lying, the cheating and stealing. And the fact that we now have to pick a, a, a way to get our information and yeah. not be able to trust it. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
1: Rick, you know, and folks, um, I got to beg to differ with you on one point there. You made a point about journalism and guys like me being journalists and guys like you, maybe not um, that, that, I disagree with that. Because, well,
2: yeah, I mean, you, I, I'm taking you serious. you J.J. Green. Well, you know, when but, you say something, you're reporting on something. That's credibility to me.
1: Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. And, you, you know, the same goes for you, too. And hear me out on this. I've been doing national security okay. for a long time. So I guess that's what comes with that. If you do the right work, you do your homework, and you try to do what you're supposed to do, you do, over time, earn people's trust. And I'm very grateful for those trusts that I've earned. Um, But a person like you, you are indeed a journalist. And, in, in fact, one of the better ones. And the reason for it is because many years ago, and I'll use this sports analogy for you, when Dr. J came along, a lot of people used mm-hmm. to call him the Skywalker, you know, cause he could just do this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. but those folks weren't familiar with a dude named Connie Hawkins, right? Who was That's for the Hawk in, in the many Hulk. ways was the original, but then people older than exactly. that said, Hey, he didn't, you don't know about Bill Russell, you know? So the point that I'm making right. is people like you who folks may not be familiar with in the journalism arena, didn't just come along and decide you were going to be a journalism you were born with it and i can say this from a for a fact doc and i we met many years ago 30 plus years ago 89. when you came yeah, out of the nfl and began your journalism career so i had to disagree i had to disagree sure. with that because you are a journalist and you've been doing it for 30 years
2: well i you, call it broadcast you 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 we can agree to you call it journalism. i call it broadcasting okay. and and because but, so many people don't, I respect it, and I and I want people to understand. I can have an opinion, right? And I try to base it off my life experience, and fact, and, and take it from where you may be. But I do know right from wrong. And right now, we have people that are in a positions of trust that aren't worthy of being trusted. Yes, and they're on TVs every day and night. They're in office they are representing this country in a way that is utterly embarrassing.
1: Yes, yes. So I have a question for you then. Um, Mm -hmm. Last time we spoke, you were talking about the young people saying you're hitching Mm -hmm. your wagon to the young people. Uh, And you said the folks, I think you said at the time the folks over 65 or whatever, you just stick a fork in them because you're done. Yeah, my people. Yeah. You know, because, you know, they just weren't getting it done. And so, yeah, what's give me a progress report on on the young people and the folks that you uh, thought at the time would lead us out of this issue. How are they doing?
2: Well, well, I, I love the fact that they're showing interest and that they, they care. What I hate is that a, a segment of our community is being attacked yeah, for being themselves. Yeah. That's unacceptable. Strength to me is not you got to carry a, an assault rifle to be a man. To me, that shows you're a coward. And so and, and so, I, I don't want this thing shifting to where people are being bullied. No one should have to be bullied. And so I love the, these young people and where they're going. I think guys like in my age group, from what we've seen and what we've endured, what my Father, God rest his soul, and my mom's 91 now. That generation, I honor them yeah. because they were abused their entire youth, their yeah. enti- most of their working lives. Yeah. They were not treated equal. This country did not deliver what it promised to. I did a Pledge of Allegiance every morning, yeah. and it was a lie. They did not deliver what they said they would deliver. And so that was not fact and true, And then having gone through this pandemic was another, it was another pivot point to see the country under stress and duress. And yet I saw a lot of unity. I saw people battling to save like our medical workers and assistants. If these awards they give out and hero things and people get to go to the White House, they should all be there. Yeah that endured that and and went through trauma and risked their lives to save people. So that's the point where I, I have a great appreciation for a lot of people in this country that have worked through that pandemic and tried to keep things going, and that was beautiful. But I cannot respect the leadership, and I cannot respect some things that should have been avoided that weren't avoided for personal gain and greed. And I have to say that.
1: Would, what are some of those things? Since they're on your mind, what are some of those some of those situations and things that you've noticed, if you're willing to say?
2: Well, the idea that we, we got to be able to trust the news, number one, you got to be able to trust it. And if there's things that can heal people, people need to have access. I disagree with the whole way we delivered three years ago when we were trying to get through this vaccination deal. We should start bottom up, but we're a top-down society. You know, it's the rich first. No, it should be those that need help first, because it just made sense. The people that are on the bus routes, the people that are in the streets, are the people who are going to engage with the most people. So let's make sure they're safe. That's common sense, yet it doesn't seem to be a part of our thinking when it comes to how this government is run. Just some basic things that I'm I'm going. I think people should be able to bear arms if they want. I ain't mad at that. But you don't need a bazooka. Yeah, the idea that you got to have a bazooka is ignorant. It's just flat out ignorant. You should not be. Only people should have bazookas are law enforcement. And so these are certain things that I don't have to be a politician to be able to open my eyes and go, "Who the hell is in charge of this? Are you serious? Yeah, we got to take care of our people better." So this is. I'm not even mentioning the immigration deal. Okay, that makes me throw up in my mouth. To see people being busted and dropped off and being treated inhumane, you know, I, I I feel for people carrying all their possessions on their back and their children, and I do. That we're too, we have too much going for us as a country and a society to be this callous and to have no feeling whatsoever yeah. for most of humanity.
1: So how do, we, how do we stop this slide, though, Rick? Because, you know, we, we were encouraged in 2020 yeah. in June and yeah. July and September when the protests were happening and people were out there, you know. But the ally fatigue, the people just deciding, OK, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. People, the carpetbaggers, people realizing, OK, I can make enough money off of this to live above it. Um, that's blowing up in a big way. So how do we stop this slide and turn this bus around?
2: Well, we all have to, first of all, it, it starts from, I say, leadership, but it's also individual having to be their own leaders and accepting the fact that we have to live together that we need all of our forces united. I don't think that's been accepted. I think there's a section of this of this country in our society that thinks that we should work for them, that we're not the same. And it all starts back, and that's why people, when I hear people talking about the forefathers and all that, I understand you are what your times represent. But it was wrong. And it should not take 100 years to correct it. It's just too many intelligent people involved to go, are you serious? This is, it was wrong. So let's correct it. Not overnight, but gradually we should be, I should feel like we're headed in that right direction. And I don't feel that whatsoever. Yeah. One
1: of the things that you said when we first started talking about the whole journalism piece, you said you're a broadcaster, but and you covered sports, et cetera. But you, you said you never just covered sports and sports and life, right? So that was the thing yeah. I was going to say. You before, I, I don't know that I recall anybody doing this beforehand. Maybe Irv Cross when he was doing some stuff at CBS. That's years, my guy. That's my years guy. and years ago. But you actually covered the news side of the sports world, you know. And yeah. this was before people f- figured out, you know, that, that there was that and. So I want to ask you, in 2020, Colin Kaepernick's decision to do what he did, the kneel, Uh was a big deal. You know, there are a lot of other things that took place that got the attention of the NFL, the NBA, uh, NASCAR, you know, whatever the sport is, you name it. So what's your view on on the state of sports and race right now in America?
2: I think it needs to be discussed in open form. Colin did a lot of good in that. I didn't agree with the pigs on the socks. I, I I didn't, I think his message was mixed. I think it's clearly that the NFL flexed their muscles by keeping them out. Out of 32 teams, you can't name over 10 quarterbacks that you fight for. It is probably the most depleted resource in a sports society there's no other sport in the nhl every every netminder, everybody has a stud every pitching staff has an ace you know every basketball team has a beast everybody has the nfl 10 out of 32 is absolutely ridiculous there's a, not a chain is being developed because they Having quarterback camps earlier, the development of this highly demanding position that requires so much of a skill set. And yet, the profits are enormous and the production is mediocre. We're paying people to be 500 millions of dollars. And the sport is flourishing because 75 of the top 100 broadcasts last year were sports related. So, in this era right now, medium, it's a winner. Yet you don't have to be good at your job to make a fortune. In Washington, Daniel Snyder's in the process of selling a team that he wrecked and ruined, and he'll walk away with windfall profits. And I'm just going, something that's just not fundamentally right, but yet I'm seeing it. And I don't, and I understand how they they've remarketed certain positions to dictate who gets the money. They changed the rules. Defensive backs are endangered species because they want to score more. You manipulated it. Now you've added gambling and wagering into it. And some of the players don't get it. Five guys now are suspended. And they're probably confused, going, hold it, Slim. Wait a minute. We're promoting this, so I did it and I'm fired? Yes. Because you don't have the right to do everything you want to do. Follow the rules. And it'll probably happen again next year. So, DJ, that's my frustration because I know how hard it is to make money. And I see these young men just whisking away millions of dollars because we got a, such a void of communication. They're not reaching these kids. Robinson, a young running back in Washington, could have been murdered because the management has got to take care of rookies and say, do not go certain places alone. I know no one has told you this, but let me tell you since I'm an adult and I understand what dangers do lurk because now you're a target and you're too young to understand that. How does that happen to a multi million dollar operation? It's just a lack of management, it's a lack of leadership. And that young man survived, he was lucky. But all I'm saying is that from what I see and from what I've been through right now, I'm frustrated over the fact that lack of common sense, horrible leadership, and personal development for these young guys, now we're giving them money even earlier. Now don't let me add in NIL. Now we're going to pay them out of high school. Well, they couldn't manage the money at 21. Now let's give it to them at 17. Yeah. And so I just see roadblocks come up for me to go in. Somebody's got to get in this and help work this thing out or it's gonna be a disaster.
1: And look, here's I think what you didn't say that I'm gonna say that I picked up from what you're talking about. Correct me if I'm wrong. The lion's share of these athletes, when you look at the NFL and the NBA, are people of color. And these people- Oh, yeah. Are not being, in some cases, many cases, they're not being given the wisdom that they need coming into the league like that Washington team you talked about. And you have to wonder, you have to ask the question, did somebody just overlook that? Did somebody just not think about that? Or was that deliberate?
2: I mean, I don't know what transition you have transition. See, I was lucky because Bobby Mitchell was in the building, Charlie Taylor. I had the mentorship and the strength of those guys that went through the worst of times. How about like Bobby Mitchell? Yeah. Integrating a, a team. How about the most racist team in the league actually representing your nation's capital? Hello? Yeah. Did anybody not notice that? And so, and we've talked about this over the years. All I'm saying is that, and that man was not allowed to be a general manager as he should have been. He's passing out meal money and it was, it, it, it kill me. And I saw that up close and personal. If a league has 66, 67% of its league is African-American and you have no ownership presence, no, I don't mean primary ownership of the 32 teams, there's not one that could be. Mm -hmm. They tell you who they want to be by their actions, and I judge them accordingly. See, I don't care what you say. I watch what you do. And right now you've shown me nothing when it comes to that. And so it's a slow drip. I can always say, well, it used to be worse. Yeah, it did. And there is progress in that. I see it. I just wish the kids, I just wish there was a better way to inform them and to coach and help mentor them so that we don't have the tragedies that have happened through my run and my generation of, People, you know, you retire when you're 30. You know, what what, what conditions somebody to be out of retired from something in their 20s yeah. and then have to live that much longer and have no financial discipline or structure or education? You just, they're fattening frogs for snakes, as Coach Thompson used to say. Yeah, And the financial sharks and the advisors and the agents just gobble them up. And in the end, most of them end in the same place, 50-year-olds old, unemployed, no background in resume, and borderline broke.
1: Right. It's a problem. Really big problem. Problem that we have to talk about again. And more people got to, We have to do more than just talk about this. This needs some active solutions and some active work being done to solve this issue because this has been going on for decades. And it's getting worse now because of well, the- because of society's decision, um, albeit perhaps um, involuntarily, to just let let things be, just okay, get mine, and just get about what I need to do. But um, we we
2: yeah. we've pretty much don't ruffle the car. It takes time, JJ. It takes, and you're risking yourself because all they're going to do is freeze you out, and they've proven they can do that. I'm a perfect example of that. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not working regularly, then 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 I'm blind. Then a blind man can see. All I'm going, is clear that there are people in management who would prefer you to just stick to dribbling, you know, as they feel. Yeah. I mean, they want you to stick, yeah. Shut so that's what jump, they yeah. do, and they prove it all the time. Mm-hmm. Because you can't tell me it's not skill set or talent. They control it. And what's the biggest fear? Educated people that aren't afraid to reveal the truth. Yeah. They wanted you to buy out. Let's give you enough money so you could be quiet. Yeah. Live your life. You know, you're comfortable. Aren't you comfortable? No, I can never be comfortable if people are suffering. Yeah. So that's that's my whole point. Yeah. This is all by design. Everybody knows exactly what's happening. We just are so in love. We're junkies, especially in football. And so we're not going, we're going to continue to participate, continue to love it, and continue to go. And it's never going to be corrected until as everything that's happened in our country and society, we take a stand.
1: Well done. Well said, sir. Thank you. Um We just need to probably wrap this up because we've been in your hair now for about a half an hour. Um, and that's all we asked for, and you delivered as you always do. I
2: work for you, man. Yeah. So I'm honored just I to wanna- be I want to ask part of this machine.
1: Well, I want to ask uh, if you have anything you want to add that I haven't asked about that you think you want to share before we go. And then I have a little statement I need to make at the end.
2: No, I'm look, I'm, I'm privileged. And I thank all of your listeners because if people aren't listening and reacting to what they hear, then we all fail. That's what I love about my podcast on Patreon is that, I mean, No one ever told me what not to say. Let's first make that. The people I've worked with, Chris Johnson, Chris Kennard, these gentlemen have been great. Nobody's ever said anything because all I'm doing is stating the obvious. you know. But I'm giving it to you from a perspective that you couldn't possibly know because you're not where I'm at. I've been involved and been fortunate enough to have been in certain circles. And I look at the results. And I don't just stick to sports. It's got to be done right.
1: Yeah. And folks, for those of you who don't know, this program is called Colors, a dialogue on race in America. The program started May of 2020. The idea was born 30 years ago, and the idea came from the, the other voice that you're hearing. Rick Walker was the guy who came to me and said, when I was doing a program back then called Black and White with the fellow, a fellow co-host, the person who you heard here on Colors when we started, his name was Chris Core. Rick came to me one day and said, you know, you need to broaden this out. You need to do something that encompasses more than just blacks and whites. You need to do something yeah. that encompasses everybody. And he said, you need to call it Colors. It's amazing how 30 years slipped by before we got to do it, but that's he was the genesis of that idea. I have to give props where props are due. Thank you.
2: Well Walker. No, you 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 deserve it all because you created it. Black and white in this country will always be a negative proposition. It's not it's not gonna be accepted or you're gonna come in with preconceived notions. And also, you exclude way too many people that are underserved. That was the whole thing. And, we, and we're speaking from a standpoint, we just want to work together. When I'm in a huddle, I've never not been embraced everybody in that huddle. Different nationalities, it didn't matter. We need to win a game. And that's why our teams were so close, because there was genuine love. There was genuine brotherhood. And, and I just think that how about if this country took a shot at just trying it, just try it for a minute instead of being so damn hateful. But again, if it starts at the top, then you got to cut the head of the snake off. If not, you got no shot.
1: There you go, folks. Rick Walker. Doc, thank you again. Thank you, JJ. See you in two years. (laughs) No, no, not going to wait that long. Thank you though. Stay tuned for some thoughts about race in America and details about our next guest.
0: You're listening to Colors. My name is Hagar Shamali and I'm from Connecticut. I'm American Lebanese and because of the experiences my parents had during the civil war in Lebanon, they told me every day how lucky I was to be born in the United States. I love this country, which is why I'm so heartbroken at how endemic and horrific racism is here. I don't know how we eradicate it. I only believe that if racism can be eliminated anywhere, it should be here. I may be an optimist, but I see a real shift in the conversations on racism today. They seem more open, real, and deep, and more people seem willing to learn. And so with a lot of work, I genuinely believe we'll get to a point where racism becomes a thing of the past. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.
1: If you have any questions or comments about Colors, send us an email. You can reach us at colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com.
0: My name is Angelie Chong, and I am Korean-American living just outside of Seattle, Washington.
1: My name is Juan Pablo
0: Sanchez. I was born in Medellin, Colombia and therefore I identify as Hispanic and or Latino. My name is Tandiwe D Watts Jones. I live in uh, New York. I am black and African-American.
1: And I'm JJ Green. I'm black. And this is Colors
0: coming up in our next episode of Colors.
1: Since America's latest racial awakening started three years ago, around the time of George Floyd's death, how's it worked out for the Native Americans in this country? This really woke up this whole country to uh, these issues involving uh, minorities, and that includes uh, issues relating to uh, Native Americans. John Echo Hawk, a member of the Pawnee tribe, executive director of the Native Americans Rights Fund, says not everything has been good, though. Yes, it just so
2: happens that Today, May 5, is uh, uh, Missing and Murdered uh, Indigenous Peoples uh, Awareness Day.
1: And this is hugely important.
2: The uh, number of missing and murdered uh, uh, Indigenous people on our lands uh, is greater
1: than any other group in the country.
0: That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. That's the end of the line for this
1: episode of Colors. Thank you, everyone, and particularly the folks who've helped us to put this together and the folks who've supported us. Thank you, Hillary Howard. Thank you, Mike Jukaitis. I want to thank, as well, John Kirby. I want to thank Pat Ryder. Uh, I want to thank Chris Kaur. Thanks, Ann Kaur. Thanks to Suni Khaled. Thanks to a lot of people that have done things that they don't even know to help us along on this process. I also want to thank for our music, Jesse Gallagher, Cosmic, and Offshane. And most of all, I want to thank you listeners who have been very loyal and very helpful in the process. Thank you. And as I end this show, I'm going to do it the way I always do and ask you to keep talking to each other because it's really important if you keep talking to each other about these issues that we have in this country.
2: And just as important, keep listening to each other.
0: You can subscribe to Colors wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors,
2: a dialogue on race in America.